Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. This episode is brought to you by Angie, Estimate Rocket, and Paint Supply. Welcome to Paint Ed. My name is Torlando. I am your host. So glad to be here in your ears today. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, i got a great show scheduled today. I've got a long, long-term industry friend on the show. I'm really excited about this. Uh, Scott, Scott Lawler is on the show. And I'll tell you what, um, I, I've known Scott, it's got to be six, going on six years now, I think, at least. And, um, you know, we met at uh, some uh, different events, PCA events, uh, the residential forum, AST, that kind of stuff. And uh, if you want solid, rock solid information that is built from experience, from success, from practical good knowledge and wisdom, this is this is the show for you. This is the show for you today. And I think it's really important, especially if you are in a phase of your business where this last year, um, if it put you through the ringer, you know, I, here's the thing. Yeah. We've, there's some people out there who have, uh, uh, really done well. And there are people who have started to see the, you know, the slowdown, the drop off. There's a ton of economic uncertainty going on. There's a lot of misinformation, you know, so, so in as much as, um, you know, interest rates have, have increased, um, you know, housing has, has slowed, like the economy is still actually pretty good. It's in pretty good shape. And so there's, there's just like a lot of conflicting information and that's what makes everything so unpredictable. And so you might look at the last year and you might look at what you've done and where you've come from and, and, you know, maybe, maybe you're a person that like, okay, this is a year that you've finally broke a million dollars in in business and you look back and you're like that was hell on earth that was the worst year of my life even though it was the best how do you how do you navigate this business i mean the, the thing is look this business is hard painting it's hard we want it to be easy but it's hard there's a lot of a lot of moving parts a lot of uh people involved a lot of emotions not just, you know, we think when we think about emotions in in this business, we think of like the homeowner who's, you know, freaking out because, uh, you know, she can't tell that the shadow is just making the color look different. Like we think about that type of emotion, but we're emotional. <laughs> we're emotional. Owners are emotional and, and we make emotional decisions and we have um challenging home lives and you know the you know look where where a lot of us a lot of us come from the you know the the side of the tracks that we grew up on uh like we've not escaped our childhood you know and so so that comes into the picture of our daily lives that is the stuff that is is making our lives difficult and we want 
money and bigger revenue to solve those problems. But, you know, I had a guest on um, the show like a month or so ago, and he's, he said to me that um, he said money, um, money doesn't change you. It just magnifies the person that you already are, which I thought was really, really insightful. And so the, the things that you thought money was going to solve, maybe you're finding out that it just magnified the problems that you've always had. So how can we deconstruct our business and rebuild it again in a way that is actually going to solve some of our problems? I'm hoping that Scott can help us out with this question. Before we jump into the show, couple announcements. First off, you know I you know I'm promoting Overdrive always. 600 hours of video content, 5.99 a month or free with membership. If you're not a member of the PCA, I highly recommend becoming a member. Um, as I've as I've toured the country and I'm and I'm on tour right now as as I record this, um, I'm in the studio but but I'll be I'll be in different locations um, over the over the coming uh, weeks, as I've talked to different um, contractors one on one, what I've what I've found is that the people who join the PCA that becomes the beginning of their business education. That becomes the beginning. That is the stepping stone to unlocking the potential in your business and to finding community and to getting the education that you need to take things to the next level. So become a member of the PCA. It's critical, absolutely critical. Um, of course, I uh, have a book. You know this, Sprint. It's on Amazon. And I've got a YouTube channel, Craftsman Painter, um, on YouTube. Uh, I, I have several videos that teach um, and elaborate on the uh, systems of, uh, of Sprint. And I've got some uh, couple cool things coming out. I've got a, a, a production planner coming out. I've got, I'm working on a field marketing planner. Um, so make sure that you subscribe to the channel so that you can see that kind of stuff. All right. That, that's, that's all I'm talking about um, right now. We've, of course, we've got our events uh, that are out there. Make sure that you uh, uh, go to them. Make sure that you plan to come to Expo. Okay. The, the dates have been released end of February, early March, make sure that you plan to be there. I will most certainly be there. So make sure that you're there uh, and we can chat and uh, get to know each other better. All right, let's let's just jump into this show. I'm, I'm sick of talking to myself. Let's bring on Mr. Scott Lawler to the show. Hey, hey Orlando. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you. And I, I uh, um, encourage everyone to follow Orlando's advice. Join PCA. I think I've probably been a member for 25 years, if you can believe it. Um, and I, I really should go back in the archives because I know my first convention, but GOAT, which used to be called convention, now it's Expo. Go to yeah. Expo. It'll be awesome. We'll be there. Orlando will be there. A bunch of awesome people. So do yeah. it. Join PCA and go to Expo. You won't regret it. Yeah. Yeah. Expo. It's, it's, um, it's, it's incredibly fun. I mean, that's, that's one thing, right? It's, I mean, the, the evening, you know, after parties are, are super fun. Um, the education is, is rock solid, yeah. but 
it's the the relationships that you build right for it's, sure yep. it's, it's just so awesome it's awesome. so awesome to know that there are people who you know like you can come from different political sides of the tracks and and many of us do in you know in this industry but there's some there's this common bond that we have um as paint contractors and as painters that um that has just in and on my part created some of the strongest relationships that i that i have in my adult yeah. life yep without question yep yeah so uh so scott um you know for the audience's sake if they're if they're not familiar with who you are just give us a quick background of of your your history in the in the industry and uh just a tiny bit about what you do today sure yeah well um I say I've been in the painting industry 35 years because that's true. I just celebrated my 35th wedding anniversary. So I actually put myself through college painting. I was, I always was doing handyman yeah, type nice. of things as a kid. And I had someone that said, hey, could you paint my house? And famous last words, how hard could it be? Um, <laughs> so I'm self-taught, um, never worked for another contractor and um, owned my own business for most of those 35 years. But through PCA, actually. Uh, was recruited several times to help mm. other people scale their business. Um, I would say I'm an operational, I was going to say guru, that's sort of a little bit arrogant, but uh, <laughs> that would be my specialty. I've sold millions and millions of dollars in my career, but I, op, I'm an operations person. And um, so I uh, did that several times and helped people scale to multi-million dollar levels. And then for the last five years, I've been on the consulting coaching side, enjoying that, helping people scale their companies and build the businesses of their dreams. Awesome. Awesome. So in the intro, I, I mentioned this, uh, you know, this scenario where I think a lot of um, contractors are at this time of year, you know, mm -hmm. the, we're, we're looking at we're looking at the year in the rearview mirror at this point. And we're, we're just thinking, oh my gosh, what the hell happened? You know? Mm -hmm. and, and for some people, um, things were going great and, and then all of a sudden things, you know, dropped off. And so I'm sure that there are people who are over levered and, and that can be, you know, something that's, that's challenging. You, you have to figure out where to cut expenses and, and yeah. what to take on now, because maybe you had, you know, maybe you had a, a $3,000 software package that was automating everything and you don't have the $3,000 to renew. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot going on in the lives of our, of our listeners right now. And, and I'm wondering if you could just, you know, provide a little bit of like, um, you know, just a, a, a little bit of empathy, you know, how, like, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. have you gone through this kind of thing? Have you seen yeah. this, you know, through your, your 35 year career? Yeah. Yeah. So welcome to life as a entrepreneur. So, uh, when it's good, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> and, and when it's bad, it's lonely, right? So, uh, you know, we're here to help you with that lonely part, but, uh, yeah, I think it's a great time of year. Um, well, you know, in the fourth quarter, uh, to really look at what what you liked, what went well, a SWOT analysis, SWOT. Mm -hmm. uh, some of you are familiar with that. is a great way to um, look at that a little bit yeah. more objectively. Strengths, um, weaknesses, opportunities, opportunities, threats. Right, yeah. absolutely. Um, the other another thing um, you could also use is uh, this thought of what should we keep doing, what should we stop doing, and what should we you know, um, start doing so what, you know, but so it's a great time to evaluate and, and Orlando, you kind of, Orlando, you, um, sort of alluded to this, um, 
here we are and and you're, you know the degree of satisfaction i hate to even think about happiness hopefully you're happy yeah uh, f- with other things but you know you're here and so you know it's kind of this treadmill thing like you've run hard um but you're not sure where you where you went or you're not even sure if you're happy where you got to right? right so this idea of evaluation so i think it's a great time to do that and um and to to make a plan now entrepreneurs sometimes um just like to do and dream you know you think about the traction hey i'm a visionary well you know if, if you're if you're only a visionary you better go find an implementer or you better you know become some part of an implementer because right. you got to do enough to to do what you need to do to get to get paid and live your life but this yeah. is a good time to look at um where you just came from and and what are some things that you want to do differently um, for your, for your 2.0 or whatever your, you know, your next iteration of your company and you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, an excellent point. And, and I think it's perfectly fine to put, you know, the traction model in the crosshairs. Cause sure. that, I mean, that concept of visionary, I mean, I, I have, I mean, I have, uh, I, I would have embarrassment just even calling myself that, but uh, <laughs> you know, I think that for for people who uh, you know maybe have a little more, uh, maybe they're a little more secure than than I am, um, you know that they 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 call themselves the visionary of their company, and it's true we do need to work on vision, um, but I think we need to be clear about what that what that actually means because mm-hmm. um, you know being an idea guy, I think is is different than casting a vision for your company. Oh, without a question. Right. And yeah. and I and I can be as guilty as anybody of just spinning out a cranking out a bunch of ideas and and never landing on one and forgetting, you know, forgetting 90% of them. So when we're if we want to be that type of um, you know, strategist that's looking towards um looking towards 2024, but evaluating 2023 and what went wrong and what went well and in all of this, how do we how do we deconstruct our business in the last year in a way that kind of you know takes the you know takes the Lego pieces, organizes them, and says, okay, now we're gonna we're gonna take what we have and and rebuild. What's the first step to deconstructing our business? Yeah, first of all, you have to spend some time. Okay, now that seems like an obvious statement, but uh, you need a good chunk of time. If you you know, some people really could benefit from a little retreat. Uh, literally go get a hotel somewhere an hour from your house. Just got to get away from it and really, um, really uh, spend some time thinking about it. The other thing is you have to be honest with yourself. Um, sometimes it's hard to admit where we failed and um, we, we want to put band-aids and salve on that because it, it doesn't feel good. Right. But the idea of what are the things over the last period of time in, in you know, in a year say um, that um, using your SWOT analysis, we, we, we we're clear usually, what went well, but what, what is not measuring up to your standard? What is not, what is the, what are the results that you really, um, are fought, fell short. And those are the, those are the places where you can really affect change. Now, the first thing I always recommend is, um, and this is Michael Hyatt, um, free to focus a great book. I recommend reading it, listen to it, whatever. I always put these questions to every issue. Could I automate it? Could I eliminate it? And could I delegate it? Um, more than ever, we can handle a lot of some of these issues through technology. There's mm-hmm. wonderful platforms. I mean, tons of them and more every single day, right? You see it. But um, 
I'm thinking about things like customer satisfaction. Like did, did, did they, did they not feel like they got the experience that you sold them? Um, was scheduling an issue? What are all of the little things that, that suck time out of you? Now it depends on where you are in your journey, but if you're approaching the million dollars, uh, million dollar revenue level, you most likely got here with hustle, but there's a point where you're going to have a breaking point It's typically I see around the $750,000 level. Mm-hmm. You literally are going to start dropping balls and you got to look at what are the balls I'm dropping? So, and, and so then uh, take a look at those balls and go, are they important to me? And if they are, you need to figure out how you're going to um, accomplish those uh, tasks and, and do better in the coming year. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I've course am very, you know, active in our, in our Facebook groups and, and I recommend, you know, joining our, our Facebook group, the paint ed group, but there are other groups out there that are, that are wonderful groups to be a part of the, what I, what I found myself needing to kind of look out for is that because it's a social media group, the, the culture of the day. And I don't know how long this lasts. I don't know if it's forever, if this is just how people are now, but you know, I think we know that social media um, presents a, a, a kind of a little bit of a false image, you know, of, of, of what's going on. And not only are we, we're presenting our best selves. And, and the example that I always give, I, I, I gave a church talk years ago and I was, you know, just talking about this concept. I said, look, you know, we, I post a, a family picture online and, and, and I'll get a hundred, 200 likes on it. And, and I got, you know, my, my I got pretty girls and, and, uh, you know, a beautiful wife and, and all this. And I'm, I'm very, very lucky, lucky man. Uh, in, in that regard, we, we get a lot of attention when we post that, but what the, what they don't see is that we took 80 pictures just to get that one. You know, like they didn't see the, the, you know, the goofy faces and the, you know, awkwardness and, you know, they didn't see the, the struggle that it took to get that family picture. They only saw the, the end result. And, and it's so easy to look at that and say, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm falling short, you know, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I, I I can't do this. And, and so then it, it almost makes us want to present a, a better picture than the one that's going on to the extent that I worry that we, we, we don't look at our own faults and we, and we almost, we almost fall uh, victim to the, to the same delusion that we're presenting, you know, we're lying to ourselves. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I, my question to you, Scott is like, even on it, before we go into like the processes and the systems and all of that, how do we look ourselves in the mirror and say you have failed in this area without feeling like we are failures Mm -hmm. yeah so i think that um that's the concept of not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. there's there's things that you have not done to your expectation or to what you know you i think we all have um examples of how we literally simply let down a customer and just didn't uphold our brand promise or whatever. Right. You know, we, we just, we sucked and, yeah. you know, um, or we didn't call people back. You know, I could tell you stories from when I was young. I won't, but I could, <laughs> of, you know, <laughs> having that full mailbox and 
you know, maybe couldn't even deal with getting through it. So I deleted all of it. Right. Yeah. Okay, I just did tell you, um, <laughs> but, um, but you know, it, there, there's times where you just didn't, you didn't perform, didn't achieve what you, what you want to be, you know, those values, you put them on the wall, but you're not living them, you know? So I think starting by just saying, Hey, um, this is what we did and did well. And here's what we have not done and well, and this is where we want to get better. And again, there's parts of this that you can say, Hey, I want to stop doing this insert, whatever, you know, um, because it's a, taking a bunch of our time or we seem to get customer complaints or it it's a disproportionate amount of our energy to get this little thing done. And why don't we stop doing that? But that's the analysis. Um, the other thing I would say is as you grow and this, you know, this is our sort of our focus is as you're growing into the million and million plus range, there's so many things you can let go of. I think entrepreneurs sometimes hold on with a tight fist. Um, there are so many tasks that you can pay others to do um, marketing, bookkeeping. Um, there's a lot of things that you just don't need to be involved with. First of all, if it's not your superpower, then you shouldn't be doing it. Right. And and there's someone else, you know, you know, like how often Google changes stuff or Facebook, or whatever. And how could you possibly keep up with that? Why don't you hire an expert to keep up with it and hire them a trusted partner? But so there's things that you're going to have to open your, your your hands and let go of and trust some other people. And the other thing is you're going to have to start trusting your own people maybe more. You know, there's a lot of micromanagers out there mm -hmm. and they've done, they've gotten to a certain place because they literally were there with the the stick or whatever, whatever your style is. Um, but at some point you're like, I just can't be everywhere. So that's where you better have a team. And, right. um, you know, then, then you're going to have to start adding more non-producing positions. Um, if this is your first one, great. If it's your fifth one, great. But the idea of what is the thing that I need help with most that either I do poorly mm -hmm. and, and the other one would be simply, I don't enjoy doing. So most entrepreneurs, business owners, if I asked you what's your superpower you know, usually they're pretty good at sales, really. They, they built a company because they, they engaged with the customer. They were good with the customer. They got jobs. Okay. So mm -hmm. if that's, if that's what you're great at, then I would not hire a salesperson because you, you that's your role for now. Right. So yeah, we're talking yeah. about adding your first or one and a half, you know, depending And some people add, I think too early and they add weak positions. They, they, they hire cheap, they hire, not great. So, you know, what do they do? Well, they answer the phone. How many phone calls you get? Not very many. Okay. So maybe you didn't hire, you know, right. But the idea is if you're great at sales and you need operational help, then you hire an operation person and you figure out how that's played out, right. whether that's in field or in office. Um, now, if you don't like sales and you don't think that's your superpower, you're an operational person, then I would hire a salesperson. Um, you know, but whatever it is that is, is not, that needs support. I would I would move that direction with your with your additional hires um, in the in your overhead positions. Yeah, yeah. I and I think that that could change over time. You know, I I don't know what I don't I don't have a good sense of like what most entrepreneurs are like. Um, I know what I'm like. You know, and and I know that uh, for me moving myself into one superpower role long term is kind of challenging because I get I get restless with routine. I get sick of the same old song and dance, um, you know, for 
in in my first company as I was, you know, growing and building and and moving into that, um, you know, those different roles, you know, I, I started, I started as a painter, you know, I was 18 mm-hmm. years yeah. old, I, I learned how to paint, I had an apprenticeship, I, you know, started my own company in the at the start of the Great Recession, and slowly built, slowly built. But it, it came a time where my back started hurting, my wrists were, you know, had issues with my wrists, and, mm-hmm. and uh, I fell off a ladder. And, you know, I was just like, gosh, I can't keep doing this, you know, so, so I made that shift, I was at the time, I was, of course, wearing all the hats, but I made that shift to, okay, now I'm going to focus on sales and I'm going to delegate the painting. Now, the thing about the painting is like actually out of out of everything that I do in business, the painting is actually probably the most enjoyable to me. Like I, I went to art school. And so, you know, that type of project based aesthetic based work is is actually quite enjoyable to me. But I'm just you know, I'm just getting old, Scott, you know, like my, <laughs> my body can't handle it. So I moved into sales. And I and then I was like, oh, well, then maybe that's my superpower. And then and I was doing that for a while. And then I moved into and then I hired salespeople because I got sick of that. And I moved into marketing. And then what I was left with, Scott, is the stuff that's definitely not my superpower, which is like accounting and and, uh, you know, fielding like the worst of the worst customer complaints and in HR. So like I think we have to be careful about this. We have to identify what that superpower is. How do you how do you figure that out about yourself? Yeah. So there are all all the hats you have to wear. So when you start, you're wearing all the hats, right? That's what you just said. Yeah. Like, you know, you're the painter, you are also the bookkeeper, you are also the HR, and you're the marketing, you know. So I get that, right? And then there comes a point where if you're going to continue growing and not, and by the way, not everybody wants to grow to multi-millions. Not, that's not necessarily, that's not the be all to end all. Maybe you right. want to have a lifestyle business and make a lot of money. And that's a good style too. But I think most, I think, I think even a $10 million painting company is a lifestyle business guy. Yeah, I, well, I don't, true. I don't think that there's a passive, right? Yeah. It's, this is an active business. That's yeah. my opinion. Yeah. So, so you're not going to be able to hand everything off, but I would say the things that you're, you're weak, you're weak at so this isn't about this is not yet um what i like to do or what i don't like to do it's what i'm good at and what if mm-hmm. i stop doing it this business would take a hit okay and then what are the things we can hand off then um as you as you get you're talking about deconstruction now yeah you're gonna you're gonna deconstruct your business in my opinion several times along the way every you know million five or so there's gonna have to be another uh, you know, sort of this reevaluation of your, of your org charge, what it is. And so then the next iteration, you can hand some more off. And then eventually I do think typically owners will become there as the CEO, the true CEO of vision, uh, casting vision, managing departments, managing people, and they no longer are, you know, the, the traditional roles of marketing, HR, sales, and all that. Now, a lot of owners will still have some legacy contact with some, you know, long-term clients. But at the end, as as you grow, you will grow into a CEO role and where where everybody underneath you does all the tasks. But mm-hmm. um, you can't just you can't just announce that at, at you know, a million dollars and go, oh, I'm officially done. I'm the CEO now. So you're going to still have to uh, wear a couple hats. The idea is as you grow your your revenue, you will have um, additional uh, cash um, to spend some on other people to do some more of the task and and you keep offloading. And so you do, you know, you do 
three out of six things. Then you do two out of six. Then you do one out of six. And then you're the CEO and there's six departments underneath you. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but each one of those has to be funded, right? You have right. to fund it. And initially all those things are funded out of net profit, right? You know, right. You, you have to, and, and if you, if you don't want to, if you don't want to come down off your personal income, you're, you're, um, then you're going to have to grow even just to stay the same, but you are going to fund that out of, out of cash. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I remember having a conversation with, uh, with, with John Newbert years ago and he, he said that, you know, uh, yeah, your next stage of, of growth, your, your income is going to go down before it goes back up. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's a, that's a hard one, but, it, it, but what we really want is for you to be in the growth phase where, where your growth, um, the profit off that growth pays for that position. So you're really not, you don't have a net change, but, um, you're not, you're not making more money yet. And then, and so that's sure. the idea. Like if you're, Cause if you're paying, if you're paying your own salary out of gross rather than the net and you're, you know, maybe you're, you're, uh, setting the net aside for that future growth opportunity, mm -hmm. uh, or, or at least you're looking at the distributions that you are taking as kind of a temporary, you know, boost until the next phase of growth, then, you know, then that makes sense. So, um, so, but you have to be careful about this because it's, because it's very easy to become over leveraged and, and what that, you know, what that means being over leveraged is where you're, um, uh, and I'm explaining this for the benefit of the audience who, who doesn't know. Um, so being over leveraged basically means that your, uh, fixed costs, um, such as your, subscriptions, your, uh, building costs, your, the, the amount of trucks that you have a, a monthly reoccurring payment to your personnel overhead. And in, in our business, I would say that probably the, the, I, the, the biggest risk to being over levered is probably in non production, um, and, and sales roles and trucks. <laughs> I think that's probably the biggest, the biggest place where we can become over levered is, is, is people and vehicles. Uh, but, but you know, that the fixed asset or the fixed costs that you have associated with, with running a company are, are just all of your bills and your, your variable costs are all of your expenses related to the job, materials, labor, that kind of thing. And what's, you know, in the early stages of business, you're, you're almost all variable costs. And, you know, you like your personal income, if you start setting aside a salary, you could probably consider that a fixed, a fixed expense. You know, you have your cell phone bill, your internet, that kind of stuff that you're paying. But for the most part, if you sell more, you're going to pay more because you have more labor and more materials, but your fixed costs are going to stay pretty low. Once, once you get to this point of what you're talking about, a lot of companies are starting to add expenses. Maybe they maybe they need a building for an office. Maybe they need more trucks in the field. Maybe they need an office person or a project manager. You know, those non-revenue producing positions that are essential to helping everything move forward. That's that's a tough balance. And and I'll and I'll be, you know, forthright with my audience. Towards the end of my first business, the biggest problem that I had is that I was over leveraged. My expenses has got had gotten out of control and it they couldn't weather the seasonality. So, you know, the winter would dip and I still had those same fixed expenses regardless of whether we were selling jobs or not and that became very difficult to manage. So, so how do we um 
how do we how do we see that in you know in the in through the windshield and not the the rear view mirror yeah so that's really why i'm an advocate of budgeting and projection so what you said is spot on um that's why revenue is important you can't lose sight of revenue because most people if they had a challenge and and were um for instance operated at a loss for a long term long time uh you're not it's going to be tough to fix that in your expense side because you'd have to just you usually can't turn that ship around that fast i mean you could start terminating staff but you know uh, it would take a while to turn that ship so that's why you really have to focus on your revenue um and why the the plan is really important because the expenses um are a direct investment that is supposed to produce revenue right supporting the 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 painters in the field in our case so you really creating that plan and um you're you're right uh, you are so right when you say that after you add these positions and get back to um you know profitability so to speak that your next your next spurt goes most of it to your bottom line because you're you don't need another building you don't need three more salespeople. you don't need a bunch more anything your marketing's working and and so that's where you really stash some money so um you're talking about seasonality you need cash retained earnings right you need some money to make it through you know a lot of companies especially as you get bigger and depending on your market you will have some break even or maybe some losses in certain months of the year and then you grow you know grow back and and you recover and then and so to have some cash available line of credit whatever it is you do need to be fiscally sound to weather those growth spurts or even the seasonality as you're talking um and and keep your expenses in check but they're all you know all in relation to your revenue level um and if you if you don't have the revenue then you you really can't afford the expense so that would be a a question of, hey, can I afford this position? I don't care what the position is. If it's an admin staff, if it's a sales, I don't really care who they are. Can can our revenue support these people? And of course, when we're talking about revenue, it also means gross profit. There's a whole, there's a lot of calculations yeah, here. I'm yeah, being yeah. very, very, uh, it's a you know big net, but yeah, you you that's where you really have to focus on the growth of the revenue and adding the expense as well. Yeah, yeah, I know that makes sense. So, so I think that you know, if I'm if I'm synthesizing this and and hopefully adding to it, you know, the the reason why revenue becomes important isn't so much as uh, you want to be able to tell people online that you did four million dollars. That's not the purpose of revenue. Mm -mm. the The purpose of of revenue is to ensure that you can sustain your fixed costs right? Your cost structure. Mm -hmm. And if, you're, if your cost structure is too high, in other words, your fixed costs are too high, you're going to be very susceptible to cash flow problems um, because, of, because of the seasonality, um, mm -hmm. you know? And, and, and so there's, there's that balance there of, you know, pre, <clears throat> you know, pre kind of um, pre-million where you can kind of white knuckle through most of it. Um, you can keep your fixed expenses low. You can, you know, you can, um, you, you know, as, as the owner, you can pay yourself a, a percentage of, of the, of the revenue coming in and almost make your own salary, 
um, a variable expense in, in a lot of ways. And, and that can be a great way, in my opinion, to not become over levered, which would get which, in my opinion, can get you into trouble. Not just opinion, my experience, it gets you into trouble in the, in the slow season. You know, if, if you're over levered in, in the slow season, you're going to get into trouble. But this idea of um, of of understanding what your um, what your sales volume needs to be in order to know what fixed expenses you can afford throughout the year so that you can start to take some of that stuff off your plate is really kind of the key to that next phase of growth. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's really a, a, like a like a pie, right? You're, you even when you're half a million dollars, you have a sliver of that pie as um, I just call it owner's comp. It's your return on investment. You know, you're taking a, a W a paycheck with some taxes. You're taking some draw. You're taking all draw. I don't really care what you're doing. How much sure. do you take? Are you is available to you to take out of this business? Some of that you need because you need to live up. You need to live your life. But some of the some of that money, hopefully, you don't need to live in your life. You can actually keep it in the business for growth, right? So that's the concept of the the. But the pie, you're going to take your sliver of your pie. As the pie gets bigger, you're still having a sliver, but the sliver gets bigger. And so that's the idea of growing. And um, your expenses are going to grow, but so is your net profit or your you know the owner's comp, however you take it. So you right. know. Um, understanding uh your revenue targets your cost of goods sold as you referenced earlier gives you your gross profit that's the money you have left over to to run your business what are the expenses you have and then and then is the money that's left over in that projection sufficient for what your expectations are maybe what your needs are now what happens is if we give seventy thousand dollars to a salesperson or whatever the number is Mm -hmm. what's that look like well that looks terrible for your bottom line probably but what if we grew four hundred thousand dollars at 45 percent you know now it now it actually now actually you're going to drop like 100k to your bottom you know so that's how you're looking at it and and so it's like you know growth plateau spend a little money, growth, plateau, spend a little money. So that's kind of the trajectory. And as long as your 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 revenue's growing, your expenses are in check, you're always going to be fine. Yeah. How do how do we navigate this though during the slow during the slow season? Because you know this episode is coming out <clears throat> in, in smack dab. I mean, I don't I don't know the exact date, but I'm I'm assuming that Christmas is around, you know, New Year is around. And um you know, in the in the residential space, um, you know, we're just not nobody's painting, you know, unless right. unless they're like out of town or something like that. But <clears throat> how do we navigate this? Because because our revenue becomes anything but predictable. I, I mean, I would even say that in the summer it's unpredictable because yeah. it, it's it's just flip flopped, you know. So, so how do we how do we navigate this, you know, as we're looking to 2024? Yeah. So we're recording this late October. So unfortunately. You're not going to hear this soon enough, but right now you should be thinking about January because November, December is kind of already happening. Um, if you're not booked out that far, that's fine, but you know, you should be making the plan now. What I think I would say to that Torlando is to understand your break even. Mm-hmm. So what, what, you know, what do I have to have just to kind of end up with zero for, for this, you know, two to three to four months, whatever, wherever you, you know, live 
um, and understand. Now, I'm a big proponent of neuroscience about, mm-hmm. you know, goals, about, you know, um, you know, if I if I, you know, put you on a cliff and said, you go, if you don't go sell 10 jobs. I'm pushing you off. You're going to go sell 10 jobs. Right. That's the way you need to live. You right. need to say, hey, I don't need, you know, three hundred thousand dollars in January. I need sixty eight thousand. Right. Whatever the number right. is for you. I don't, don't don't run someone else's plays. Don't run. Don't. It's your company. What do you need in January? And go get after it. That means at your average job size, at your close ratio, I need 25 leads or 32 leads. I don't care the number. What do you need? What do you need to sell to to, to break even for, for the month until you get into your busy season? That number is going to be helpful. It's going to be it's going to give you freedom. It's yeah. going to give you freedom to go, hey, I don't have to be this crazy number. I have to be this and go activate your, your brain and, and let me get after it. Um, and that's what you do. And, and that's why I'm an advocate of looking at things, you know, in shorter spurts. I, a lot of people say, I want to do this crazy number a year. You don't, you don't run the race a year at a time. You run it a week at a time. So break it down and get after it. And so what happens is you say, well, if you miss the target, so maybe you miss the bullseye, but you're on the target. Right. You know, and you, right. You'll be fine. You have a little money in the bank that you've, you've saved. You'll be fine. If you're off the target completely, that's when you really run into problems. So yeah. you use those targets and, this, and those goals to go, hey, we're going to see if we can get in this bullseye until we can get sailing again on our, um, you know, warmer weather if you're in a cold weather climate. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting that you you brought up uh, the you know your break even, knowing your break even, because I I'm uh, uh, you know going through the MBA program and and uh, you know we just covered how to calculate this. So at at the risk of being overcomplicated, um, I'm just going to go for it. But <laughs> for it. our listeners, uh, you know, what I'll suggest is that you. Um, like you rewind and just listen to this over again because because I wanted I wanted to show you how to calculate your your break even because this is like this is so important. So basically, what you have, what 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 is going to be comprised of your break even analysis is your total sales. You're you're going to need to know you know what that is. You're going to need to know your fixed costs and your variable costs. Okay, so let's define. Fixed costs and variable costs, real quick. Fixed costs, fixed costs again, are your bills. The stuff that the stuff that you have to pay, whether you have a job or not. Your variable costs are all of the costs that are associated with the job, the the materials, the labor, and so on. Right. And so, what you what you first have to figure out is this number called it's a percentage called the contribution margin. And what this basically is, it's just your fixed costs divided by your sales. Okay. So let's, I'll give you an example here. So let's say that your uh, monthly sales, um, and I'm going to use, I'm going to use very like easy math. Okay. Um, Let's say that your, your monthly sales are $10,000 and your fixed costs are $1,000. So you're going to, you're going to earn $10,000 in revenue, but you're going to have to pay $1,000 to you know, your truck, your phone, you know, that kind of stuff. It's gonna be a thousand dollars. So you take that thousand dollars and you divide it by the uh the ten thousand dollars. And so that's gonna give you what is that? That's like one one percent, I think, ten percent. 
10%. That's 10%. Thank you. 10%. So that's your contribution margin. So now what you're going to do to get your break even is you're going to divide your fixed costs by your contribution margin. Okay. So we're just doing the math backwards here. So the so if your fixed costs are $1,000, you divide it by 10%. What does that equal? $10,000, right? So I'm just doing math backwards and forwards. But the reason why that's important is because now what you could do is as you increase your fixed costs or you decrease your fixed costs, you know that your contribution margin is 10%. And so, you know, if you, if you add, uh, you know, if you add, um, uh, other stuff, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you add a salary or something like yeah. that, right? You added a thousand dollar marketing campaign. Yeah. You add a thousand dollar marketing campaign. Well, divide that by 10%. And now you know that you need to have sales of $20,000, right? So, so that's, that's what I'll explain. And I, I highly recommend the audience just pausing, re rewinding, taking notes, writing that stuff out because, <laughs> because it will help you. It will help you. Cause if you, if you can know what your break even is and, and you can know what, you know, what you need in terms of your, your monthly sales, then you have a target so that you can keep going. And if you go below that target, or if that target seems unattainable, then you need to start hacking away at your fixed costs because, because your cost structure is too high. All right, there's 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 there the little go. NBA NBA education for the day. <laughs> Orlando the NBA. Here we go. <laughs> Bonus episode. That's right. That's right. You're gonna have to pay me for this episode. I said you can I do. Uh, okay, <laughs> well, all right. Give me the bill. Goes yeah. into my fixed costs. <laughs> okay, so so um that that was a little bit of a tangent, but I, I hope it was helpful. Um, you know, it's all in this realm of, you know, deconstructing our business so that looking forward, we can build a machine that a has us in a position that, you know, we're good at it and, and hopefully we like it. Cause you know, that will be pretty, you know, draining if we don't like the role that we're in, but now we're also starting to look at the things that we need to automate the things that we need to delegate. Um, and the things that, you know, we need to eliminate essentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what does, what does 24, 2024 look like if, if I don't want, you know, I just, let's just say I did $1.1 million last year. Like I said, it was hell on earth. I want, I do want to grow because, okay, I've done, I've done my break even I've done some of my cost analysis and it looks like, you know, if I could get to 1.5, that would be really great. But I don't know where to go from here. Where where do where do we go? What 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 are our steps? Yeah. So I think um, you're going to need to build your your back end, your infrastructure. Um, I think you need a uh, a, a typical salesperson can do one five, in my opinion, uh, in residential. Um, that's a good one, but. Um, that's our target. You know, I've seen, a I think that's fair. I think it depends on where you live. I think if you're in a small town, that's going to be, uh, I think you have to be real special for that. Yeah. But yeah. Tornando, we're only working. We, we, we are, all of our friends are special. Okay. So that's our base. <laughs> so, so, um, I think you need, I think, uh, two really high functioning people could do one five. I'm not saying it's easy. Yeah. And I'm not saying you might not want some, help assistant or something like that but an operational person 
and um, a salesperson could do that. But as you get approaching that one five somewhere, you're going to start feeling again, like we talked about at your pre-million dollar level, you're going to start feeling like some balls are dropping. You're going to start feeling some pressure. So that's why to make, to make a plan and just to continue, you know, being in tune with, you know, your company and, and the profitability and the customer satisfaction and the, and the culture and, and are, are people happy or, you know, but um, then, then you're going to have to hire another person. And, you know, so at, at, at the, at these, at these levels, then you're going to add some, some overhead and uh, alleviate some of the, 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 the points that um, there's some friction or there's some, some uh, frustration, but um, so you don't want to do it too soon because mm-hmm. you, you're going to, you're going to bleed out and you won't have as much money as you want to the bottom line, but you want to anticipate it and get just a little ahead of it, probably a quarter, you know, like three months to hire the right people mm-hmm. so you can stay ahead of it. And then as you, as you build, you know, each person um, um, we would hope would add some value to your company that you didn't quite have before. And, and, and you'll, you'll see benefit and just keep building and building and building. And, and um, I think each, each time you do that, you'll feel a little, um, little more freedom or space to ascend towards the CEO, to do mm-hmm. some more planning, to do some more nurturing, some more coaching, and, um, you know, just con- continue ascending into that CEO role, which is a whole nother thing, which you're uncomfortable with, you'll have to, have to work on, but, yeah. you know, you'll get there. But that's that's how I just do, you know, just think about adding a, a little bit of overhead each level to the point that um, it's all underneath you and all works like a machine and you're just, you're you're truly at the top of that org chart. Yeah. Yeah. So, so can we, can we cast a, a little bit of a, a realistic vision of what a, a, C, a CEO at this level looks at? I I've, I've become, the more that I do this show and the more that I, you know, engage in audiences directly, the, the less I'm impressed by the influencers and, you know, gurus that talk about the CEO being a passive role. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I'm not interested in coaching my audience into being an, an absent owner. I think there are enough people who do that. I think my audience is one that wants a job and a role or a business rather that is fulfilling and isn't, doesn't mean that they're vacationing uh, 360 days out of the year. Right. What does the realistic role of a CEO look like? Yeah. So um, each company is going to be a little different. So this is going to be very broad strokes. But as you grow your company, the founder is going to have more distance between them and the frontline people. And what I believe part of their role is going to be uh, coaching and mentoring the people that are going to take care of those people. Okay. So, so whether that's project manager or whatever, so they're going to move, they're going to ascend up and they need to, um, stay connected to their company through others. They just can't simply be on every job site. They can't necessarily be, um, intimately aware of every painter that's on their team. And so you, I think that, that the, um, job is to, to, coach and mentor those people. Feedback is really important. Uh, continuous feedback. It's been popular in business for, I don't know, five, six, seven years, maybe 10. So the idea of 
um, no longer having an annual review. You know, people need continuous feedback and mm-hmm. checking in. And so I think that's part of their role. And then keeping an eye on the uh, the, the, the high line, you know, the 30,000 foot view, the numbers, the KPIs, um, and sort of making sure that as we ascend that, you know, we're in, we're in a secure place. Their, their role is to make sure we're on target and, and head in the right direction. Um, and that's the challenge sometimes is they go, well, I, you know, and, and you'll hear this in companies and I always warn founders, you know, you'll have some, some legacy painters that say, where's Scott? We don't see Scott anymore. And if, you know, that's something that you need to anticipate because you know, it's not that Scott is on the golf course, right? It's that Scott has got a lot of other things that he's doing to make sure that you work 12 months a year. And, and so, so, but someone needs to take the spot of Scott because they still need this connection. They still want this. And the idea of company events and crew leader meetings and all these things. But I think then the, the CEO, as you're asking, has the, uh, responsibility to make sure everyone down line is living by the culture and is getting the care that they built the company on. It's just that they they can't give it to them all the, all the time anymore. Right, right, right. I mean, I think that from from what I'm picking up, and 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 you know, maybe this is part of my own you know belief system creeping in here, but it, there is a there is kind of a, almost a pastoral care. That mm-hmm. goes into this role. Absolutely, um, you know, you you are the shepherd, and mm-hmm. you can't just disconnect completely. But you you also can't be the one that is, you know, managing minute by minute. You know, that's that is an impossibility based off of your availability of time. But jumping into that role of coach and mentor. I think for, for people, I mean, I've, I've, I have friends, you know, in this industry, in this business who, uh, you know, they, they run to this idea of running a a passive delegating and just kind of like forgetting because they're so burnt out by years of grinding and, and they're just sick of their business. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, that's a, that's a, I think that's a valid place to be in because it just, it is a grind. Like, you know, like you're human, you're going to get to that point. But I think a more healthy view of delegation is one where you're delegating so that you can move into the role of mentor and coach and, and people developer. Yeah. And, and if you're not, in my opinion, if you're not signed up for that, if you're not on board for that, if you don't, if you don't like people and you don't like the the problems that they have and, and are going to bring to you and, and, you know, I mean, cause they're people, this is a people, uh, driven, I mean, it's a, there's a labor force. Our product is the people. And, and so you are going to have people problems. You, you might stop having customer problems. You might stop having, um, you know, you might even stop having cash flow problems, but those, especially in this range of 1.5, you know, to before you have like a full management and HR team in, in place, you're, you're not going to be unshield, unshielded from people problems. And, and, and you have to be willing to sign up for that. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you don't, then, then your people are going to struggle and your culture is going to, it's going to get toxic, quite frankly. Right. And you need to be proactive there, not reactionary. So that's the idea of building the, the culture, nurture, 
um, being being the you know casting the vision uh, to and and to model the vision. You know, everyone's looking to you, and uh, they look they're looking at you always. You know, you got to be on point and be 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 careful about your behavior and uh, how you model what you're what you're you know because they're watching so yeah good stuff absolutely all right scott this has been a great conversation where um if people want to want to get on your you know schedule and radar um get some help from you with your, your great insight where do we go yeah we're always glad to talk to someone and, and add value even if we just have a 60-minute conversation they can go to my website consulting the number four contractors.com uh, and there's, there's lots of links there and they can just get on my calendar. Glad to chat with you, uh, help you in any way we can, even if it's just a 60 minute free call. And, uh, if there's any next steps, great. If there's not, then we, then we got introduced and we could be friends. <laughs> awesome. Scott, thank you so much for, uh, for being on the show today. Yeah, my pleasure. It was a great conversation, Torlando. All right, there we have it. Scott Lawler with Consulting for Contractors. Um, great guy, great conversation. Um, I, I I love having people on who have really been in it. And, and, you know, I think that you guys probably know that I typically bring on more of the more of the consulting crowd more of the the tech crowd you know the outside folks you know i don't i don't always interview contractors who have been in the field and i do that intentionally i do that because um i don't want us to only get information from the echo chamber of ourselves right so i so i i specifically bring in um outsiders uh, but it's really fun when I bring in somebody who has been in the trenches for for so long, and and the the value and the and the experience and wisdom that they bring is uh, unmatchable. It truly is. So thank you to Scott for hopping on the show today. Um, thank you to the PCA for producing the show. Um, remember, you know, make sure you download Overdrive and become a member. Uh, the, the, the ultimate value, I think, of, of educating in yourself in this business goes back to that, that classic quote, the knowledge is power, right? Times like this that we're in, the slow season, it happens every year. Sometimes you just feel powerless. You feel like you, you know, nothing sticks, nothing's landing. You feel like you can't get a win. You feel like... Uh, uh, you can feel like the world is coming in around you and, and knowledge is the thing that gives you the power to overcome that. So keep listening to the show, keep educating yourselves. Thank you for listening to Painted. Painted podcasts are produced by the Painted Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.